All right, let's get this thing going. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer for Sales Gravy, of course, the sponsor for this show. Super excited to have another Sales Gravy Master Sales Trainer here with me today. Finally, Sarah Greer. Ooh, so glad to be here, Gina. Welcome to the show. Um, I know I, I should have had you on here much sooner, but you've been busy. <laughs> yes. It's a busy place over here, isn't it? <laughs> you have been so busy. And I was um I was stalking your LinkedIn today. Not that I don't know you, but I was like, you know, trying to find some fun facts on your LinkedIn profile. And you've been with us for a year. Next uh, this week. Wednesday. Yes. Yes. Wednesday. Yes. Happy anniversary. Can you believe that a year has gone by? No, I literally cannot. I literally feel like I'm just now starting to shadow your your sessions like I did a year ago. It feels like two months ago. Right. I don't know where the year went. I know. I kind of told you that, too. I kind of said it's going to be like a year before you feel like you're on stable ground. That's true. Are we ever going to be stable? No. (laughs) Possible? Is that possible? No. I'm thrilled to where I'm at now. I never, you know, this this job has been interesting because I've been tested and thrown into situations, which is not my typical learning style. And it's been really good for me. So that's good sometimes, right? You're going to say you're going to find excuses why you can't do something and versus here it is. Well, that's definitely the positive is that we are a progressive, innovative company that moves faster than most. And you have to be agile. And if you weren't agile when you started, you definitely get agile. So sure. I, think it, I think it's a good thing. It it breaks the status quo of just doing everything normally, right? It forces learning, right? It, I th- that's not bad. I don't say that negatively. Yeah. But it forces learning through an experience that you yourself are telling yourself you're not you potentially aren't ready for. I mean, I can't believe I've been with the company for almost two and a half years now. And it sometimes feels like yesterday. And I look back at like, I've learned so much in what really is a short amount of time, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my memory of interviewing with you I'm going to share this because oh gosh. Uh, when, you, when you come on board at Sales Gravy, there's no less than seven or eight interviews, right? No less. And so um, Gina was scheduled to be on an, an interview call with me and yeah. she didn't answer. She did not answer the, the call because she wanted to see how the voicemail sounded and how serious the candidate was. I will never forget it because I'm like, does she not have the, the Thunder calendar? Like, what is happening? What is happening? So... I will never forget that, Gina. You you made you gave me you gave me the hard hard road. Oh, I'm sorry, not sorry. And you're not sorry. <laughs> you're not sorry. <laughs> I guess I passed. I don't know. I'm here, right? Well, it's interesting because it's I, I probably would have never have done something like that before sales gravy. So I think that was probably something that I learned because of sales gravy, how important it is to have multiple touches and and, con- and and familiarity and how important leaving voicemail is for familiarity. And I, I like I really wanted to hear your voice and how you presented yourself before I had an opportunity to talk to you. So I wanted to hear like, does she have confidence in her voice leaving a message? Right. What is that going to sound like? I really like, is she really a salesperson? Like those were the things 
But you know what I mean? I wanted to hear. I really wanted to hear that. I wish I remember what I said. I don't even remember. I don't remember either. Oh, that is hilarious. But um, yeah, I'm 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 sorry, but not sorry. I did that because um, you're here. You you're know, right. you made it, and and we were it. We were interviewing several people, so that was another piece of it. I don't, I don't think. Well, I didn't do that to Ian, but Ian and I had Ian and I had already worked with a little bit. So got it. But but because we were interviewing several people at the same time, I wanted to see if one of you stood out more than the other. That's fair. That's. I mean, we still got on the call. You just called me right back afterwards, but I didn't find out until months later what you were actually doing. But you were sitting there <laughs> staring at your phone, just waiting for the click to voice. <laughs> I also wanted to see if you were going to be on time. Oh, well, that, that's that's an anal retentive thing for me. That's well, not. You'd be, not I mean, seriously, how many people like are not on time? Constantly. Right. Like as a salesperson. Right. Do what you say you're going to do. I mean, how many times have you like been in scenarios where people are selling to you and then they don't show up on time. It's a deal breaker for me. And in this virtual selling world, it's like part of what we train people. You've got to be on your call way ahead of time. Mm -hmm. You've got to not be, don't plan things too close together. You know, if you're trying to sell, you're trying to get someone's business. The last thing you want is the very first impression after you work so hard to get the appointment right? The prospecting, the appointment settings, the hardest part. Do right. not yeah. screw yourself by not showing up or being late. It's just, to me, it's unacceptable. Yeah. Well, I, I come be from hard a... hard on that one. Yeah, me too. I come from having a dad whose attitude was you show up an hour early for an appointment, which is a little excessive. But that's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's I, you're not going <laughs> to catch me showing up an hour early, but... No. <laughs> But I definitely feel like I'm late if I'm not on time. So that's that's how I managed my sales teams, too. They knew. And it was this unfortunate, maybe a little fear. Um, but the the our sales team meeting started at eight, not at 801. And so you've got to get there at 730 to get your other stuff done. And the sales meeting started today and people would be flying by the seat of their pants right into the sales room with their lunch and their all their stuff. And they throw everything down on the sales room table. And I was like, no, nah, that's not on time. <laughs> You can't get anything done. You're too frazzled. Well, and that's setting the tone too, right? Like this is what time the meeting's going to start and I'm starting. And there's value there. It's not just a checkoff list, right? So I think as a leader, you if you have an agenda and there's value and you're going to get some, that, that person, this team is going to get something out of that time versus here's another meeting. That's important too. You know, that's something that a leader should really work on curating. Well, let's talk about that because I know leadership is is a big piece for you and a sweet spot for you. And we'll talk a little bit about your background. But we, we're talking about leadership right now. And I think this is really important. There's so many facets to this. But scheduling that meeting that you're going to have with the sales team, right, and making sure that they get value out of that meeting. And, and we are both salespeople. You and I both have like, we don't like time wasted. We got things to do. What are some values that a leader can bring to a sales meeting that a salesperson feels like, oh, God, not another meeting? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, one of the things that a lot of people don't agree on, but I, I fully, fully support the fact that people want structure. People need structure. And I'm not talking about the micromanagement, right? We're not talking about that whole thing, that, that buzzword. But structure and and habit and 
consistency breeds the same thing happening for your salespeople in their own individual roles. So a, a simple agenda, I know it sounds crazy, but a meeting agenda, it doesn't always have to be ahead of time, but handing out a meeting agenda shows that you as the leader thought enough about the topics, thought enough about what they needed to get out of this that you came with a plan. I have sat through meetings myself where there wasn't one. And a lot of my leadership things that I put into place are a result of my personal experience and things that I would have liked. So is this going to be the right fit for everyone? No, this is completely my opinion and from my experience. But uh, sitting down, I will immediately feel like there's more value to, the, to my time being spent if I can see what we're going to be talking about. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, I, I, you started this with people want structure. Mm -hmm. And regardless, and then you said, you know, this is your way of doing it. No matter what your way of doing it is, the fact is people need structure. It's not just want structure. We're like, we're wired for needing structure, right? We like, right. We, we teach this. We teach that. We teach about setting meeting agendas for our prospects, right? right? So right. that their brain doesn't go into a fight or flight. Like, this is what you can expect from the meeting. Is, wouldn't you agree? It's like the same if you're running a team. 100%. You avoid red herrings. You avoid it going off the rails, literally. You avoid too much negativity being brought into this meeting. I mean, I was constantly focused on keeping my team positive through every moment. And I mean, I had to, as a leader, fake it to make it myself because I knew a lot of things that they didn't know. And I was protecting them from some messages that really didn't matter. <laughs> they didn't need the messages, but I still knew the messages. So keeping, keeping that meeting on a positive note, even if you're saying, Guys, here's our numbers, right? Because part of what I think is important is people have to know their numbers. Part of a leader's job is to make sure they can figure out what those are, right? Figure out the real number to get to the goal they want to get to. So being transparent, giving them the tools to actually be able to figure out their number. And if the number for the team current sales year to date is not good, instead of saying, everybody, just figure it out, like go out there, just make some more calls. It's not that simple. You know, as a leader, if my team didn't make their goals, I never said, well, if if John would have been making more calls, we probably would have done that. But he just refuses to work. Or, well, Jennifer, you know, she showed up late to every single team meeting we had. So, you know, she just doesn't care. That's not acceptable. I answered for my team and I am the face of my team to to leadership above me. And so the the lack of that excuse and I have to take ownership um, helps the way you communicate things to people, in my opinion. And as a leader, you can't make assumptions about your team. So even though you're holding the bag for the team, right, and you're not going to go, you, Sarah Greer, would never go and say, oh, Gina was late and and Jessica did this. And you're not going to you're not going to do those things because that would make for a sucky leader. Right. Yeah. I don't make excuses ever. Even right. in my right now, the Jeb, I don't make excuses. It's like, here's the way it is. And I'll give me feedback and I'll, I'll do it. And I get that because of being in a leadership role. And when people would bring me excuses, I would be like, oh, my God. Right. Let's just be honest and we could all improve from there. And I think that's refreshing. Right. Like you're being very honest. And I think sometimes salespeople are not being honest uh, because they're afraid. Maybe you're. 
There's a fear. fear of so many things, right? Fear of looking like a failure. Mm-hmm. Fear of getting fired potentially or put on a performance plan. Fear of failing. Fear of judgment. Fear of, fear of all the things. Right. Um, and I don't always love motivation through fear. Not my fate. Oh, I never, I never love motivation through fear. Yes. No, I, I don't find it effective. <laughs> no, it's, it's never been effective. And you know, performance imp- improvement plan pips. I just have a love hate relationship with, with those types of things. Yeah. You no, know? and so I, I just think that as a leader, if we're not giving them tools and trying to help them to that, it really feels like those types of things are like you've thrown in the towel and you know, you're going out the door. This is just the, yeah. the verbiage to get you there. Yeah, I agree. I, and I think the tools, the tools are important. And this is something that we teach, right? You want to train your team and then you want to coach your team based on the training that you gave them. With that all being said, you cannot just make assumptions about your team, right? Like Gina was late or that kind of Gina's always late. You can't make that assumption that that's where the performance issue is. My yeah personal opinion, you know, my sweet spot that I love is emotional intelligence. And when we really get down into it and understand what makes people tick, every single individual, right? They, they have personal lives that that are important to them or things that they're dealing with, both positive and negative, but really understanding the motivation behind each individual and how each individual works. Like, Things that are going to motivate you, Sarah, are different than things that are going to motivate me. There are things that will completely demotivate me. And I think that if a leader doesn't look at understanding those nuances, like if if you could really understand those nuances, then I think you can be a more effective coach as a leader. What are your thoughts on that as far as like individual personalities? Well, you know, coaching one team as one individual personality is never going to work. I mean, I, like you said, I put myself in those shoes and the way that that you react to things, we're, we're completely different. We have a lot of similarities, but we're completely different. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work for one of us, right? right? And then you add in four other people on the team, you, you might connect with one, right? And that's just not going to be successful. So we talked about these team meetings when you're, when you're in leadership. I think the one-on-ones, um, the one-on-one meetings with each individual team member are the opportunity to coach to that specific team members' needs and drives and uh, motivations. And that's when I really made it a lot more personal and a lot more specific. And my I could have the same agenda for every one-on-one and they all went markedly different. And the longer I was in a leadership role, the better I got at that because a new leader is like, I have to do it exactly like it says on the paper. And then after you lose a few people, you're like, clearly not the best way because hiring and trading is the toughest part of a sales manager's job. Um, that's that's the toughest part. So not having to do that constantly and being able to, to just up-level your team, that's a lot more fun than constantly replacing. So the one-on-one opportunity is is making it drill down to those individuals. And then also being in the field, if that's applicable, if it's an outside sales position, seeing them in action, giving them personal feedback on the actual things they do versus giving people feedback in general 
Um, the way you and I would do a prospecting call or a discovery call is probably very different. So coaching in general for us would not necessarily help us individually. So learning your people, um, I knew about people. It got to be where they were like, are you psychic? Because they'd walk in, <laughs> they're one-on-one, and I'd be like, what's happening? Something, just let's go, let's talk, what's happening? And they'd be like, well, I'm really struggling. And I'm just overwhelmed. And I was like, all right, let's let's get through it. And there's some people who would have never done that with me. So giving those people that sometimes just need to vent or talk through things or bounce things off, you have to be open to doing that, even if you aren't that type of person yourself. And if it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't listen to another story. Sorry, as a sales leader, you got to. You got to. Right. And you can't look annoyed. I mean, there, there's. I was literally a part-time therapist for the 10 years I was in sales. I guarantee I was 100% one of those. But as a leader, if you're not willing to let them do that, I think you lose some trust. I think if if, if a leader and a, and a, a sales per- person have this just veil of everything's perfect, let's just talk about what we're talking about, you know, and leave the rest. You know, I, I want to be able to be like, I know your husband's name. I know your children's name. You have a pet. How's your, they were sick last week. How is that? Do, you know, how's that going? I'm not talking about getting too personal, but a leader needs to connect on, on a human level. See, to me, it, it, it's all sales, right? Whether you're, you're managing a team or trying to get new business, you need to get those people to trust you and to lean into you and, and see you as a trusted advisor, as the leader. Right. And, and if we put this in the frame of I want to get this client, this prospect to become a client, I have to show genuine, authentic and, interest yes. in them and, and pay attention. And when I check in on them, like I've got a client right now that I'm coaching that he's struggling with a number of things in his role. And I send him text messages. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. What? You know, like what what happened with that situation that you're going through right now? Right. Yeah. Or I just said like, hey, today I said, hey, what's up? I'm like, how? he's like, I'm OK. I'm like, can you talk? He's like, in 20 minutes, I'm like, call me. And he's like, what's up? And I'm like, I just want to make sure you're OK. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yes. staying on top of that. It's definitely more work. Always. It's Always. more work. But but he, you know, he. He's like literally getting off the call saying, thank you so much for this call. I like I needed this call. It was five minutes, 10 minutes out of my day. Exactly. Did it create a different experience for him? You have his back and leadership. That's kind of my tagline for it. And that's why that's why I even wanted to become a leader is because someone had my back. Yeah. They mentored the heck out of me. They gave me a chance. They made me finally believe in myself. And I was like, why would I not want to emulate that? It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, truly, sales management was, I probably would still say, it was one of the toughest jobs I've ever had, but also one of the most rewarding, mm-hmm. truly. But if they don't feel like you have their back, like your coaching client, they knew that, that they you were there, right? They knew that you were there. If your team does not feel that way about you you are losing percentage points to goal. Easy. Mm-hmm. Because they do mm-hmm. not feel supported enough to maybe take some chances. Yeah. Maybe want to make some of those extra calls. Maybe actually 
come to you for coaching and advice and ask questions versus just doing nothing. Um, it's it's important and it's done over time. So these consistent agenda meetings where you show up early, I was always the first person there setting the stage for an expectation. It wasn't like you have to do this, but you know what? I'm a sales manager. I can do whatever the want, I want. That's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. I could have done that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do that. I've worked for some people who do that, but it's just not the way to get the most out of your team. And listen, it doesn't, high expectations don't suffer for this. This is not being soft. This is not, that's not what I'm saying. High expectations were still always a part of my model. But I think that's important too. If all you say is, okay, quota's cool. That's good. I never used quota as the goal. It was always president club. They didn't, one of my sales reps, after I left, she called me and she was like, hey, what was quota again? And I was like, I don't even know. And she was like, I don't either because you always clear goals with President's Club. I was like, I don't know what it is because you don't get anything extra by hitting quota. You get extra by hitting clutch. You know, so uh, I think that's such a great point because I think your your higher performers to your point, I'm like, what's my number? I don't, okay, okay. I don't, I don't, uh, they, I, all I do is I, I push, like I'm not yes. thinking about it to your point. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll have your back and know your numbers, like the, the self-awareness. Somebody that knows their numbers is always more likely to, to hit their goals, period. And if you're not there, okay, cool. How are we going to get you there? Do we even have enough time? Let's look at this realistically, but I'm here. I'll meet you halfway. But you're going to have to meet me probably three quarters, potentially, to, to hit this goal. It's still possible, but you're going to have to amp everything. What would your advice be around, um, you know, I've always, again, been an advocate of you have to treat each individual differently, right? Like that, that's big to me. Um, I think over my, over the years of my, like, being a leader, that's where I became successful. That's where I was able to retain teams because I treated them individually. At the same time, I had to find a, um, a foundation of fairness and consistency because I could run into issues if they felt like, oh, I'm treating Sarah differently than I'm yeah. treating Joe. And yeah. so I have to find it also for HR reasons, right? For sure. And so you 100%. have to have fairness and consistency on how you treat people. And I think that's a struggle for a lot of leaders because attitude sometimes is they should just do it the way I do it. This is how we all do it. This is how Joe, the high performer, does it. So everybody do it like that. Um, and then there's resentment if one person, if it, it, if it appears that someone's being treated differently, what are, what's some advice that you could give leaders on how to still manage people individually, but still be fair and consistent? I know it's a big one. That is. And I lived it so many times. Um, I had a consistent high performer on my team for seven out of the 10 years that I was in my role. Um, so as that tenure increases and that person's success increases, so does their, let's say, their name, their name in the company. You know, I worked for a very large company, their name in the company, their name in the location. As a leader, we always thought it was important at this company to show people that you can hit these goals. But for some people and personalities, they looked at it as I'm never going to make I can't beat that person. I'm just going to quit. And we had multiple people quit because they were like, I'm never going to be that person. I, I, I can't. But after this happened as a new sales leader, I was like, I've got to change something. 
keep holding somebody on a pedestal isn't the right thing to do, all right? Praising where praise is due, absolutely, because high performers usually thrive off of praise. And if they're doing the things, yeah. you have to praise them. Um, there are some things that I would do behind the scenes where I would add extra praise and feedback to that high performer. And I actually would share with them. We had a really good trusting relationship. Hey, I want you to know that I think you're doing fantastic. However, the team is going to hear this. I just don't want you to think it's discounted. I think you're fantastic. But it got to a point, too, where so many people were saying this, that people were immediately feeling from day one inadequate. So I would break down the new people's goals into realistic amounts, very small. And then I would celebrate the heck, the heck out of them meeting those small goals. Because if your buying cycle is long, these people, you don't want them to take too long to feel a win. And and uh, that industry was a long buying cycle. So if you don't find ways to celebrate and give these people their own version of a mm-hmm. successful pat on the back, um, I think you do yourself a disservice because they might be waiting six months to get a woohoo. And if all they hear the whole time is how how the other person's just killing it and making the bonus and winning the awards and, you know, winning the four days off for free. And I think it can be detrimental. It's a tough balancing act, Gina. It, it is. And thank you for answering the question. I mean, I think this, like, like I wrote it down, so we pull this out as a video blurb. I think that's really powerful. And I think it's something leaders have to pay attention to because you're always going to have that high performer who's killing it. Um, and, and, and that's probably a small percentage of the team, yeah. but it's going to bring down the rest of the team if all you're hearing is about Joe one more time yeah. or Joanna exactly. one more time. And I love, I think this is such a great strategy that they give them their praise, but behind the scenes, you know, behind the scenes, give them a little extra and say, you're doing amazing. I, I also think that I want to lean on those performers and say, hey, you're killing it. John and Michelle are not. And somehow I want you to be a resource or a mentor or someone that they can lean on. What do you think of that? Or that that's that's another thing that I would do. Like, what do you think of that as a kind of pumping them up to say, you know, you are a leader of the pack and how can you help the rest of the team? Um, I think it's an opportunity to make them kind of a team lead role. Right. So they are learning from their peer and sometimes they prefer that. So one of the things that we would do, and I know this is outside sales specific, some people can't sell outside and they're on the phone or, you know, on on Zoom calls only. But we would have the high performer ride in the 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 lower performer or the new reps territory ride along and help them set appointments for nothing, right? Yeah. (laughs) They were just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Um and that would be a way that we would bridge the gap by, you know, them we're on the same page. I'm not I'm not better than you. I'm willing to take a half day out of my my schedule to help you. And team building and culture is started there. It starts. I want them to have their own conversations. It doesn't have to always be started with me. I want them to be talking to each other on their own. I want them to create relationships outside of ones they have with me. That's what makes a team great. I, I, you know, kind of like we talked about about mastermind groups um, earlier. And 
you know, the facilitator. If you as a leader become a facilitator to a group of people who are sharing things amongst themselves, when that happens, that's pretty dang cool. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And, you know, taking that, right, it's not even just about high performer, low performer. One thing I've always said is like, people know that at Sales Gravy, we all sell and we all train and we all coach and we all, most of us work remotely. And you and I were talking about this before we started recording is like, you feel like you're on your own island. And sometimes I'm like just sitting here talking to myself like, okay, self, what do you think of of this? And I was struggling on some stuff last week and I just started texting you. I'm like, okay, how are you doing this thing? And that was like, that was such a, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I mean, for me, it was like, a, okay, I can find ways to create a bigger island where I'm not by myself. Yeah. And if we could just encourage that more of that, like, knowledge sharing and reaching out to each other. I mean, I coach on this all the time with clients on, hey, who's the highest performer on your team? Can you hang out with them for a day? And they literally go, that's such a great idea. (laughs) But their leader didn't tell them that, right? Right. They didn't even think of it as an option. Yeah. They thought that was like the cool, like, like I just invented something new. I'm like, that's what I would want to do. I'd want to hang out with the best performer and like try to glean from it. Yeah. They're not competition. They're going to help you get to where they are or better, right? That's not the end all be all. It's right. that you can you can go over this person. Anything's possible. Like all the high performers I've met, they're not superhuman. <laughs> they are not superhuman. There is not this there's not the one thing is they have a drive that I could never create. Can I help enhance that as a leader? Yeah. Absolutely. But that's something I learned the hard way. You cannot create that. And if and in this virtual world, you I think encouraging and facilitating that you're not on an island and you're not alone, you know, just the exchange we had about what we were talking about, right? Prospecting and, and CRMs and th- certain things. We both got something out of that conversation. And it's a way to connect, which is never bad. Because uh, absolutely competitive. But I'm not competing against you. Exactly. Exactly. And I and I think sometimes I mean, I'm sure there's always that fraction, that that tiny fraction of person who and you don't want that person on your team anyway. There's always going to be that one person. I don't think we have any of that in our company that they don't want you to win. So don't make don't don't make the assumption. (laughs) Yeah. Don't make don't make the assumption wherever you work that that's the case. Um Hey, a high achiever, when you like tell them, um, hey, you're so great. Can can Michelle s- spend some time with you? Kind of pumps them up. Like, that's like right. I, I yeah. am so great. Yeah. Let me yeah. do that. Or or just best best practices, right? Each one of us has a different niche, a different forte, a different thing that maybe is the thing that we're our secret sauce, or should we say secret gravy? And if we can share that with each other, it's just going to make us better. Yeah, it's it's that whole I'm going to hold, I'm going to cover my test paper so you can't see it because I want to be seen as the one who gave the idea and the smartest one. Right. That is so antiquated. And I feel like a lot of bad things karmically end up happening to you when you operate like that in in your role, whatever your role may be, because sales is really bad about that. Um, Yeah. Because of the competitive nature, you'll have a lot of people who just want to protect their own ideas, their own processes, 
and don't want to share it. And I've just seen that crash and burn for people. You might have yeah. a year or two of success, but nobody wants to be around you. And that, you know, that whole thing kind of can bleed into the customer too. And they're, they can sense a lot, a lot more than, than we think, right? We teach yeah. this in a lot of our emotional contagion focuses, right? They, whatever that emotion is that you got, if you're way too overconfident, I love assumptive, relaxed, assertive confidence, but there's a, there's a point where it can, it can be very off-putting. So it can go, it can go bad. And that, and that attitude too, I mean, there's some people listening to this, like, you don't know, I work with a bunch of competitive jerks and, and that could be, um, then maybe you're in the wrong place, but it does give sales a bad name when you're (laughs) in that kind of environment. Um, nobody wants to be around that. No. And it's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. It's such a competitive industry or competitive role. It's competitive career. It's there's a lot of money typically on the other side of it. So that's when people get really, you know, frustrated or competitive or want want to take all the pieces of the pie. And that's a that's a struggle as a leader, too, because you've got those personalities on every single thing some way or or another. Right. There's people that are going to lend themselves more towards that. And it's your job to referee that. Too, which those are some tough conversations. Referee or sometimes it feels like daycare. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, I don't have any children of my own. And I told teams before, I'm like, guys, I didn't want to have kids because of this kind of crap. <laughs> like, what are you doing to me? Why are we having this conversation? But yeah, there's a lot of things that uh, I didn't love talking about. But sometimes you got it, right? Yeah. Well, one last thing I want to talk about. 2023. Going into, we are into 2023 now. Some of your thoughts or observations about how how to push through, how to forge through 2023 and be successful. Yeah, so me and my coaching clients have talked about that. We talked about it in December, kind of looking at the 2023 goals. And, you know, we're a month in. So, you know, we've been talking about what the, what the year's looking like for them. And there's obviously things that can, anything can happen in sales. Anything can happen. But one of the things that, that I've been coaching them to is just keep your head down. Keep your head down and execute. If you can keep the noise, uh, you know, all the all the layoffs in the tech industry, that can be extremely distracting if you're in the tech industry or if you're not. If you're not, it can if you focus on that kind of stuff, you're gonna get distracted. You're gonna fall off your game. Now is the time to fill your pipeline as much as you possibly can to meet your four quarter goals, depending on your buying cycle or to meet your 2023 goals. You know, it depends on, you need to know what that looks like. But every single thing you're doing right now, regardless of what happens this year, regardless of what comes your way, you're going to be in a better position altogether. But it's really hard to keep your head down. Well, you know, one way I'm trying to keep my head down is not listen to the news. 100%, girl. I mean, I I, not listen at all. I hate to say it. I mean, I try to be selective. There are things I want to stay on top of and understand what's going on in the world and the economy and how things impact what we're doing. Um, but news is meant to be negative. It, it's purposefully that way. Yeah. It's, it's meant to, to get people to go buy something. It's meant to, it's, it's a version of sales, right? It's, it's selling yeah. an agenda. Um, and, um, I just can't, I, you got to protect your mental health. And I agree with you. That's one of the ways I do that. You know, even on social media, I, I don't really look at the news articles. I'm just looking at what my, my friend back in Knoxville, Tennessee did last weekend. Right. I'd rather do that. Yeah. When I, I have downtime. <laughs> I agree. I like to look at pretty pictures. 
100%. Your sunrise pictures. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm overdue for some sunrise pictures. I was just about to say, I have not seen a sunrise. Yeah. It's been a little cold for one. It doesn't matter. It's still warm for most places down here in Carolina. I have been traveling a bit, so that's... uh, that's affected it. But, you know, in all kidding aside, the fact that you bring that up, you see that I'm posting that. Yep. Right. So how are we showing up? Because right. people are following that. So with that, you know, along those lines, stay positive. That's that's one of the reasons why I do post sunrise pictures, because for some reason it gives people joy. For sure. And then they know me for that. So why why not? Why not share that? Share as much joy as you can. 100%. And I posted yeah, LinkedIn. I try to stay as positive a- as well. I just prefer to read positive things, like you said. But last week, I posted something about procrastination and how I was finally happy to get something hung on the wall as little I as I that. is. I I'm telling you what, girl, it made my freaking week. I looked at those pictures and literally would smile ear to ear because we work from home, right? So I see it a lot more. And I'm like, why did I not hang those six months ago? Come on, Sarah. And the same thing happened with me picking up the phone to prospect last week. What is wrong, right? It's keep your head down. Do things that make you happy, not just in work. Yeah, you got to take care of yourself and do things in life that make you happy. And that's the freaking Hardest thing to do, right? Amen. Amen. Oof. If you if you have a happy personal life, you're gonna have a happy professional life. And that's gonna that's gonna show up in the bottom line. And you gotta make time to do it regardless. Yep. You gotta make time for it. In- including things like lunch. Make time for lunch. If I don't eat, nobody wants to deal with me. So yes. <laughs> I'm not gonna sell anything, Gina, if I'm on an empty stomach. It's not gonna happen. We don't want a hangry Sarah Greer. No, nobody does. In fact, my sales team used to know when I didn't eat, and they'd be like, somebody get her some crackers. <laughs> this is not going to be good for any of us. Somebody get her somebody, some juice. Somebody feed her. It was yeah. so awesome having you on the show today. I enjoyed it so much. Thanks for having me, Gina. Will you come back? For sure. For awesome, sure. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Ah. Well, um, we have to wrap up. So um, to our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. To learn more about Sarah, you can go to our website at salesgravy.com. Maybe you want to take a class with her. Maybe you're looking for a sales coach and you're resonating with Sarah today. Go check that out at salesgravy.com. And don't forget about Sales Gravy University. If you really want to up level and you want to get your game on right for the rest of this year, salesgravy.university, it's the best deal out there to, to take you to the next level as a sales professional. Thank you again, Sarah. Thank you, Gina. You're so welcome. And thank you, listeners. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.